welcome Pudding People to another episode of Everybody Loves Pudding. We are your hosts, Ken Seymour and Richard Geiger. How are you, good sir? Doing smashingly well, if you will. Absolutely. Very appropriate, considering the subject matter of what we're going to be getting into is, uh, uh, in a great way, a great many ways, fairly violent. <laughs> Not PG. No, no. Now, um, we don't often go into this particular subject matter. We're going to be talking about the second season of the Amazon Prime television show, The Boys. Uh, we often kind of focus a little bit around movies. Uh, we'll talk about some TV here and there, too. But uh, uh, usually in our reviews, we don't, we don't delve into anything that is uh, specific on the season. But we want to change it up, have some fun. Uh and I know this is a particular uh, favorite for you, right, Richard? Yeah, the show's pretty good. Um, now, this show debuted last fall, so we're, it's it's been a bit, but it does revolve around superheroes, right? So yeah. it's it's got that feel. But the, the thing that <clears throat> the thing that I think I, I uh, appreciate about it is it maybe a different view of superheroes because all we get for the most part is a PG PG 13 view of superhero world because all superheroes are good. And that's the end of that. And I like, I like when you watch movies and you focus on things that you're supposed to focus on, but the movie presents things that maybe came from a different angle or things that you wouldn't think about. So if you are a superhero and you're not doing superhero things, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, so yeah. like all those different aspects. And I think a lot of times you, you talk about if you are a superhero, you're going to be doing good. If you're a villain, you're going to be bad. But what if you are a superhero and you kind of want to do whatever you want to do? What then? So I, I like that the aspect of something that's just one different different perspective different point of view but two and and maybe it's just my skewed view of things i i really like presentations of things that are good but have that like hard r presentation to them too you don't have to make an r-rated movie or tv show for things to be good but when you get the over-the-top blood and guts and the bad words and the, the occasional naked body part i just think it has more punch, more impact. Uh, not always, but in, in certain scenarios, I think it has more impact. And that's why I kind of enjoy these two seasons. Yeah, ratings aren't necessarily everything. Uh, Showgirls is a great example of where that's the case. Um, now, now for me, uh, I, I think you make a good point in the sense that this does not necessarily go with the normal PG-13. I guess you got to look at it from the studio's standpoint and they're trying to make money. So how are we going to get the most money? We have to have it be just edgy enough to be interesting, but not so edgy that all of the kids that are going to beg their parents to go, to go see the movie are not going to be able to do so because it's got that hard R. Um, so, I mean, yeah, it does feel a little, 
if not formulaic, it, it has to be too careful. And a lot of times what we get just doesn't seem realistic because of that. Now, in the comics themselves, there are a lot of representations of uh, subject matter very similar to what's presented in The Boys. And The Boys came out back in 2006, uh, Dynamite Press. Uh, was the was the was the publisher on that, and it was uh, Garth Ennis uh, was the writer of this originally. And uh, I'm trying to remember, uh, Derek Robertson, I think, was the artist. Um, it's been a little while. Um, I have to admit, this was not a comic that I. I mean, I, I kind of glanced through it, but. I am a subject that has way too many interests and eventually some things are going to fall through the cracks and this was one of them. Um, but uh, I, if the if the show is fairly um, is is fairly keeping to what is in the comics, then uh, that comic was probably pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I guess because I like the show quite a bit, so I'm guessing that the the comic was probably pretty cool too. And I know I liked the little bit that I flipped through. So, I mean, uh, yeah. So, now, before we go any farther, just a reminder to our listeners that uh, we are entering spoiler territory. If you have not seen any of this show, you may not want to listen any further until you do. Um, we, are, we will be talking about plot uh, characters. Uh, we will not be trying to go light on that because this is just intended to be uh, a, a a, a real reaction to, to you know kind of how we feel about how this show specifically the second season was presented so yep. how did you get into the first season richard um i feel like at the time that it was released we didn't have an amazon prime subscription i felt like we had had one and then we got rid of it and then the pandemic hit and we had obviously more time to watch shows but we needed to ship a lot more things and i want to say maybe even before that it became like well we'll get a prime subscription for a little bit we'll have it for christmas to to ship some things but then it just became well there's other things that we like to watch on here so then we added on stars and then it's like everybody when this came out had talked about the the actual show and it was really good it got really good reviews and we didn't in, in initially watch it but then we sat down and watched it after it had been released because of the good press the good response that it had gotten and at that point in time when we watched it all the episodes were released so it was much easier to consume uh these these i guess you could make arguments for and against how these are released uh, if we look at Disney Plus, they will they're releasing their content in the same way, right? Where they do um, an episode a week, and that's right. that's how The Boys was released, and the set, both both seasons of The Boys, uh, and like I said, you could argue one way or the other about why you should or shouldn't. Oh, well, there's pluses that. for both ways, really. Yeah, but we were it was easy for us because. Uh, all, all the episodes had already been released, so we could just sit down and churn through them. And I, I think in a certain aspect, that made it more enjoyable because we didn't have to wait. We could just see what happened and, and watch two, three episodes at a time. So that that's kind of why it was more like the word of mouth. We had the Prime subscription, like, well, let's watch this one. 
Yeah, I I tend to in my viewing habits, anything that's related to a comic gets a certain amount of priority. So this was already on the short list of things that I wanted to watch just because I tend to enjoy it for one and two, I tend to like to talk about it and tell everybody my uh, specific opinions, uh, which uh, do not bore people at all. No, no, they don't get tired of me talking about this <laughs> on on end at, at infinitum. Um, but this looked like it could be something potentially even um, even a little bit uh, more uh, something that I would like just because th the cast that they got put together is pretty phenomenal and um, and it just seemed to have the right the right feel I mean the fact yeah, I mean anything that you're gonna put Carl Urban in I'm going to give it a try because he's awesome uh, in pretty much everything. I, I agree. He is he is pretty on point in almost every bit of thing that he's in. So that was that was a good starting point there. And he, I think the fun thing about this is that he is obviously one of, if not the main characters in it. But he's he's the one that doesn't have any superpowers, right? Which almost makes the character more challenging in a certain sense to put on screen but he's awesome so i'm and and he gets he doesn't have to uh like change his accent either hmm. so that's even I, I think he plays it up just a little bit and just from hearing the interviews that i've, I've heard of him versus the way that he speaks in this it, he, it's, he's amping it up just a little bit yeah uh, Let, letting it go he doesn't have to tone it back just like let's go as hard as we can with it yeah, and that's that's a lot of fun. But uh, so yeah, having Carl Urban in it is is an easy step on point. Uh, Jack Quaid, who plays Huey in uh, the film, if you see it and you go, man, that guy looks really familiar. Well, maybe it's because you were somebody that watched the Hunger Games. I mean, he was he was in that as uh, the character Marvel. I'm going to trust that that's a major character or at least a, a, a fairly um, noteworthy one because I couldn't get through past half the first film and I was mostly <laughs> falling asleep. So not my cup of tea. And that's that's not a judgment against the film that I will admit to. That's just the uh, <laughs> just the understanding that there's always different stuff for different people. But he also has uh, since uh, started doing the voice for uh, Brad Boimler in Star Trek Lower Decks, which is a lot of fun. Um, so, I mean, he's also, uh, he's also does the voice of Richie Rich <laughs> in Harvey Girls Forever. He's actually had quite a, quite an interesting collection of stuff already. Um, I'm a big uh, Marvel person, so the fact that Aaron Moriarty in it is in it is kind of nice. She had a a nice run on Jessica Jones, um, the the Netflix uh, show, which I happen to like quite a bit. Also, um, she's she's been pretty pretty awesome. Um, Anthony Starr as Homelander just knocks it out of the park. That is potentially a very difficult part to portray. And uh, he, he does a really good job with that. I mean, like I said, they're, they're all just so good. Um, uh, one small one that I will also mention, uh, Colby Minifee. Um, she is very distinctive 
in the way that she looks. So I, you know, kind of always notice her. And she's been she's been around for a little while and always does super good. At least anything that I've ever seen her in, she she makes her mark. Um, and I mean, she's got a recurring role in the Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Um, she was also in Jessica Jones. Um, but I mean, she's just been in a number of really interesting bits and pieces over the years. And she, it was kind of, it was one of those things when I saw her, it's like, oh, I always like her. I'm, I'm glad that she's in this. And she, she does a great job in this. Yeah. They, the, the cast is very well assembled. You have a very good mix of like, I feel like star power and yep. up and coming star power people you recognize, but maybe aren't big names. And then a lot of folks that maybe aren't the biggest names, but do a really solid job. And, and if you look at all the, all the episodes, there are times where maybe you, you think that people are overacting or they're there. I mean, you'll have that in any show that you watch, I feel yeah. like, but honestly, for the most part, the cast in all these episodes, they do a pretty darn good job of presenting their character. Yeah, I've, I've, I've been really happy. And you, you, you get a, good, a lot of good chances just to see some, it's like, oh, there's Simon Pegg. Now, he's not in the second season, he's in the first. And the same thing, for the most part, with Elizabeth Shue. She was in the first season, had a small bit in the second season. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, you can occasionally just get some fun stuff. And I'm, I got to say, I'm particularly hyped when season three rolls around because Jensen Ackles is going to be in that, and I'm a huge Supernatural fan. Well, actually, I'm just a huge Jensen Ackles fan. I've been following him since Smallville. Um, so uh, I'm die hard on on uh, the the love roller coaster that he's gone through in television shows. He does great. So this uh, this bound to get just it's only going to get better once he once he comes around. I, I'm I'm hyped. And and when you when you look at how some of these characters progress or how the company progresses or how good things happen, bad things happen, things get turned around. And you're just like, Oh, where can they go next? You know, there's, it's always interesting to see how the following season picks up where they left off one, but two resolves potential issues from that previous season, which we'll run into in our review of the second one. too. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, and how can I not mention Giancarlo Esposito? Oh man, that dude is just dynamite in everything. Uh, well, anyway, so I'm getting sidetracked by the fact that I just, they've got such talent in the show, but they've got good subject matter and they, they laid out a really good first season. Um, I, I thought they did a lot of really great character development. It was a little formulaic in the, the relationship between uh, Huey and Annie. Just a little bit, because you kind of knew what was going to happen. Even if you'd never read the comics, never seen something like this, you kind of knew the direction it was going. There's no way around it. Well, if you if you remember, one of the first things you saw in this movie, um, sure. well, it goes back to what a, what we talked about before. That well, yeah, this is a actually a rated R or like a hard R thing where A-Train basically explodes somebody because he's yeah. running so fast. Yeah. So I felt like even that little introduction lets you, the viewer, know right off the bat, like, 
okay, this is how it's going to be. Okay, I'm in. So, like, it, it carries on. That, that theme carries on throughout the course of right. the show. But uh, that that punch at the beginning just let, like I said, just let you know if you've never heard or seen anything about what this TV show is going to be like. Now you kind of have an idea. Yeah, they they didn't they didn't keep it uh, keep it hidden too long. I, I like that too, and in one sense, now there's always a caution that goes with it. I mean, in the one sense, they go, okay, this is going to be rough. Be prepared. I like that aspect of it. So they're they're not trying to uh, to swerve you at any point but at the same time occasionally it can happen where a show will do that just to go oh well we're going we have to have a shock thing because we set it up in the beginning that we're going to shock people so even if it doesn't make sense for the plot we have to do something just to just to throw it in your face a little bit so that can sometimes be a little bit of a caution Uh, I don't for the most part, think that they really do that with this show. There's maybe a little bit that they do. Uh, the uh, fondling scene where the guy gets his head mashed in the second season uh, comes to mind as, as eh, pushing it a little bit. But, um, yeah. So, uh, you, yeah, that one, that one developed a, a plot. That was a plot driver in the first season. Sure. Because it it gave motivation. So that one made sense, but you're right. I I think what part of the things that we'll discuss about is season one was refreshing. The story was interesting. You knew that things were going to happen. You really got to see how things were going to delve into it. And then season two comes. A lot of the episodes are good, but between the two seasons i felt like one was was better because it was fresh and new and showed different things but two the second season took some of what we had just talked about made their made their impressions and did their things the outlandish things and maybe did the outlandish things to just have them be outlandish actors maybe took their parts that they had and had success in the first season and overemphasized those successful parts in the second season. Yeah. Well, maybe we should do a quick recap. So season one, the way that they left us is that, uh, a train, uh, has gotten off of his addiction essentially. Uh, but has suffered some physical problems as a result of a, that and the confrontation, uh, at the end and has to be saved by uh, Annie uh, who entrenches herself into the seven and steps uh, away from uh, a direct relationship with Huey um, and is looking for a way to bring down the the corporation that has created this serum that creates superhumans uh, and Homelander has just found out that he is a father uh, through torture and mayhem, and uh, the mother was the wife of Billy Butcher, and they all end up at that house at the very end of season one. Um, the um, the person in power basically at Vaught, uh, Madeline Stillwell, has been killed uh, by Homelander at that point. 
Uh, we've only gotten a little... Um, Face melted off. Yeah, exactly. We've only gotten a little bit of information about Stan Edgar at that point. Just, you know, he's kind of the mover behind the scene. Um, but uh, the group that Huey and Billy are part of are basically melding, but, you know, they have their difficulties because of some weird dynamic between Billy and Huey and um, Frenchie is still kind of uh, enamored with um, with their Kimiko? addition. Uh, sorry? Kimiko? Oh, yeah, with Kimiko um, to, to the group. And there's a little bit of friction because of that, uh, uh, because Billy doesn't trust people with powers. And the Deep has been trying to redeem himself from just really asinine behavior at the beginning of the film, just abhorrent behavior, and then trying to be a hero and failing miserably at it and being relegated and still not quite making the emotional strides necessary to understand what is really happening and why he is the way he is. And he's still trying to go down that. And we basically know nothing about black noir. So <laughs> that's true. Um, and he's a real cool character, but you don't, he doesn't get a lot of screen time. No, not in the first season, especially, but at the end of the first season for the seven, there's only six. Right. So then that leads into importance for, for the second season. season. So, that's a really rough way to lead from the first season into the second season. And I understand they're trying to keep people guessing to a certain extent. I wasn't too thrilled at them jumping from the scene at the house to all of a sudden, where is everybody? I thought that was a little jarring. Yeah. It's just kind of like time has passed. Now, what is going on, 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 on? And it's just like, here you go. And that's, that's okay. And it's because like TV shows, movies do that. They just skip over sections of time because things need to be moved on. And that's okay. I mean, we don't necessarily really need to know in a certain sense what's going on. And they fill you in a little bit on that as the season goes. Yeah, but having to wait the entire season to find out what happened, the cliffhanger to the first season, that's kind of ridiculous. That's like almost Dallas level of stupid. Um, it's just, I, I did not like the framing very much. It would not have hurt them at all to just put a segue of what occurred, how... Um, Billy ended up in the middle of nowhere and still not knowing where they were at the end of that. Just, just kind of the rest of it was fine, but that just small segue, it, it, it felt off to me. It just, um, or cheap. Maybe. Yeah. Like, well, we, we're here now. You don't need to know how we got here, but we're here now. I would like them to allow, um, Jack Quaid to express, a facial emotion other than mild, um, mild sickness and stress. <laughs> Cause that's pretty much his default. And I understand it makes sense. He's, he's that way. But every time I look, it's like, Oh look, he's worried again. 
<laughs> and, and and that's what I was saying. Like when you view that first season as a whole, the characters are getting introduced. You're getting to learn the characters. You're getting to learn their mannerisms. You're getting to learn how they interact with each other, how they talk. And what was so successful from that first one, as so many times they do, when you get the sequel, let's take what we thought was really good and then just overemphasize that thing. So in terms of him presenting that character, his character was presented that way in the first season. So, well, shoot, let's run with it in season two. And you're right. Like, I, I, that is his character, but we're not seeing anything creative or new. Not really. I mean, they, they started letting him make some strides towards the end of the second season, but it it took an awfully long time. Um, and maybe part of the problem is a lot of shows you have the main character, period, and he'll have some or, or she will have some supporting cast. Um, there are a lot of characters in this that are nearly equivalent in importance and screen time. You spend as much time with the bad guys as you do with the good guys. Um, so it's maybe it's just a matter of they feel like they have to go back to it to reemphasize, hey, this is this is the feeling. Okay, we're out of time. We've got to go to this other part of the plot. And by the time you get back, have you forgotten? Okay, he's still worried. Okay, look worried. Uh, so maybe it's just kind of something like that. But Yeah, and the friend, like... Frenchie is kind of the spazzy, I guess you can say, but wants to be interesting. Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like the people who did the, you know, like the seven, I, I kind of feel like they had their characters down. Like they did a better job at presenting their characters in season two than the boys, quote, the boys did in season two, if that makes sense. like Well, you didn't have Butcher technically in every episode. Um, he was somewhat MIA for a little while. Yeah. Um, and when one of the main characters that's part of the good guys doesn't talk at all, that makes dialogue a little more difficult. Now it has to be carried entirely by um, Tom... Capon, uh, Capon, Cup, Capon. Uh, I'm going to get that wrong. Frenchies, the actor Tom. that played Frenchie. We'll call him Tom and Laz Alonso. That's uh, Mother's Milk. Uh, it kind of falls on them, and I, I think, I, truthfully, I think they did a, a good job in trying to flesh Frenchie's character out a little bit. You get some backstory, you get kind of an understanding of why he is the way that he is, and I thought they did well with that. Um, he is interaction with uh kimiko is okay um a little stalkery uh, uh it's but, yeah it, and that's and you get you get that problem in a lot of shows that presents that kind of behavior as concerned and romantic uh when taken in context maybe not really so much but they barely did anything with mother's milk I mean, you got to find out he had OCD and he misses his family. That's it. Yeah. That, he, uh, he has a family. Yeah. Which we already knew. Um, um, his daughter. Yeah, 
about it. We don't get a lot of detail on him. No. And, and maybe in season three we'll get a chance to get a little more fleshing out of his character, which would be good because um, he's, he's a good actor. I mean, with the little time he gets, I feel like he makes the most out of it. Uh, just it's, uh, they didn't do a lot with that particular character. And as I, you know, as I say these things, I always keep wanting to go, it's like, well, how close is this to the comic? Is this, is the amount of screen time that these characters get comparable to the number of frames in the comics that the characters get? I, I don't have an answer for that, unfortunately, but, uh, it is something that I'm always curious about. Um, the little uh, turn between Dominique McElliott, uh, Queen Maeve, uh, and Anthony Starr's Homelander is kind of interesting. They try and build up a little more backstory on Queen Maeve. I mean, we get some in the first season in where her allegiances are and what she thinks about her position. They build on that a little bit in the second season. Um, it's okay. It seems a little, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm just not the right person, but it just seemed, it didn't hit for me. It, I, I feel like it was supposed to have more punch, more bite uh, in terms of commentary on the way that Hollywood and uh, media handles uh, a celebrity's interaction with the general public and uh, how they are presented. And it's not a matter of who you are, but the story that we're going to tell. And I've seen that done before in a lot of other films and television shows, and it just didn't seem to gel in the same kind of way. Didn't Maybe it's because I've seen it before enough times that it just has, doesn't have that impact. I, I don't know. Yeah, like the rise, the fall, the redemption. So that arc kind of hit from a repetition standpoint. Well, like the whole Brave Maeve bit that they were doing and trying to package her sexuality. Yeah. Which they didn't even get right. That's, and from a real world standpoint, we, we, we see that. And they are just trying to market, market, like have it be a marketing tool. And of course that just fell apart. And then she, you know, took it up the the self harm I guess you could say and then but but then the redempt like redemption I guess you could also say at the at the end when they're fighting so did you expect that I think you expected that yeah, right when you yeah. were watching it it was like, not a surprise no yeah so I I the, the character's fine she's not a bad character that's not what I'm saying no no but. That's not a character that, to me, stands out. And not... Well, it's supposed it to be a, a Wonder Woman stand-in. I mean, they're all very clearly stand-ins for characters. Yes, exactly. But they don't really take the chance to examine what that character really means in a real-world context, which it seems like is the whole purpose of the show. Yeah. Yeah. and And she... It presents in one in season one and two. She's in a tough, tough place to be, right? Where she's got to have certain allegiances, but she doesn't want to have them. She's got powers that are pretty much better than almost everybody else, but she doesn't want to use them like everybody else. And, and so she's she could. It's it's a character that we see 
uh, like if we're going to refer to the Wonder Woman character, who could be so much more and could be so much better in the movies that we've seen and reviewed lately. <laughs> but yeah, that character's I think got some some buildup that we're missing for sure. Um, the yeah, like you said, the black noir character. I, I think one of the funniest things in the entire series was when what? it came to the redemption piece from Queen Maeve. And it's like, yeah, he's got a nut out. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> that, like the whole, you you got more from Black Noir because you got to see that he's got, he does have like, we're like, what what really are his powers? We didn't get a lot of that in season one. And in season two, like he's. You'd see that he's really, really tough and really, really strong. And they admit that he can outrun a car because they're going to be running away and they're going to drive away. It's like, there's no point. He will catch us on foot. Um, so you see him pull a jaw off of a dude's uh, head at the very yes. beginning. <laughs> In terms of violence, that was very impressive. Um, now, I, this is something I heard, and I have not had a chance to confirm this, but I'm fairly certain it's accurate. At least in the comics, he has, I'm under the impression he's essentially the same as Homelander. Uh, maybe it's like a clone or, or some some such thing. So that's that's why you don't really see him, <laughs> because maybe something went wrong or he looks exactly like Homelander. Um, so it's, uh, it's kind of hard to say. I see. That would be an interesting little subplot, I guess you could say. I, I think so. I would, I'm, I'm really curious what direction they're going to go with that in, in the show. Cause while they gave him definitely more screen time, they didn't really develop him at all. They just no. let him fight a little bit. And that goes back to, well, we we were excited about, like, the smushy blood parts in season one, so let's do some more of those in season two. Oh, but let's do it with Black Noir, because he's not going to have eye laser beams, and he's not going to fly and supposedly have, you know, super strength, but he does have super strength, and he can't really be hurt, so, yeah, let's just throw him in and beat people up all the time. Yeah. It's like he's a, a an, an operative you know, like behind the scenes. If they delved into that more, that would be fine. That'd be good. Yeah, I just verified in the comics. Yeah, he's a, he's a clone of Homelander. So uh, I'm hoping they go in the same direction with that because that, be, that could be interesting. Um, so, okay, so let's, let's go to my only real... There are only a couple of problems I really had with season two. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I mean, overall, the storytelling was fun. There was some great character development. Um, I really like the continued arc uh, that they had with the Deep, where he joins basically Scientology, or their version of it. Yeah. Um, they, and they tend to have that kind of overarching theme uh, between the first and the second season. Oh, I guess I should say that. Don't watch the show if uh, you don't like them making fun of religion because they're going to and do it hard. <laughs> and uh, That's true. Uh, yes. Yeah. The first season. Yeah, both seasons. 
Yeah. And I, I liked that when they went to the, the Scientology place that one of the people there was like the, the archer guy. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. And, and it's, and it's so clearly a rip on Scientology because they had them do the exact same thing. The Scientologist does if if a member does something that they don't quite like, or then try and get outside. Oh, you're excommunicated and we're going to try and ruin you publicly. Yeah. It's just, ugh. but, um, yeah, it's, it, it's really interesting. Um, and it's definitely presented as less of a church and more of a marketing opportunity. <laughs> That's correct. A way to reform yourself, but um, with a positive, you know, point of view, a positive spin, a positive view from, like, but but with a little hint of blackmail built in there. Right. But that's the other thing. It's it was kind of fun seeing that that tease of an attempt at redemption for the deep, but he just doesn't get it. He he can't get past himself. Um, the, his ego is just much stronger than his intellect, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's 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 a it's a fun a chance to see to see somebody fail, <laughs> kind of miserably. Um, but they had some. They didn't really develop Annie's character as much. I mean, they did a little bit. They they got the the uh, uh, Annie and Huey relationship back on wheels a little bit. They resolved yep. some kind of emotional issues between uh, Billy and uh, Huey's characters. Uh, they they do quite a bit, and they and they try to they try to give everybody, like I said, a little chance to shine. But I had a couple of issues that I ran into. And one was with the new character they brought in Stormfront. Uh, what did you think about that character? Well, before, and, and I, 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 I'll back, I tend to do when something is coming out and I want to know more about it in today's world, you can see YouTube videos and you can go on all the social media things and you can read about stuff and you can do this and that. But um, I did, I try to avoid it when I can, but sometimes you're just curious as to what's going on so that when you go into this thing, you're a little bit more involved. And the Stormfront character in the TV show is not quite the same as the Stormfront character in the comic book. But into you can't do the one that's in the comic book. Yeah. So they had to change it. And I thought that how they changed it was was good. I thought that the character got on people's nerves but that was the point right yeah like, yeah they got on when you're when you're watching when you're watching the show that storm the stormfront character is like Ugh. like as the viewer that character got on your nerves yeah but in the world itself that they're presenting that that character also got on your nerves so they succeeded oh, because yeah. that character was just grimy enough but they set the grimy in a modern society with social media and doing all all the stuff that you would see today to try to raise someone's profile or present something positive or create an angry mob but the fact that this character yes yes so i liked the presentation of the character was it no but 
it was it was from what I understand in reading and how this character actually was and how they how they changed it so they could be more presentable for TV as they often do. I think it turned out pretty good. Well, the character itself I really didn't have any issue of. I just saw a couple of potential maybe not plot holes, but some inconsistencies when you think about it. So the way that the character is presented, the character is very old and, you know, is still a Nazi because she was a Nazi and doesn't didn't change really. Just changed her, uh, just changed the way that she marketed herself, which that part, okay, yep. I get it. If you're going to live that long, you're definitely going to have to do that. Especially if you do some stuff like they show that she has done and it comes back to haunt her. Here's my problem. Okay, so there are superheroes in this world, but there aren't tons of them. There's a number, but I mean, it's comparable to the way that you would kind of see um, the number of heroes roll out on a, a smaller scale in some comic universes, right? So she was Liberty originally, and nobody knew that she was the same person when she came in a storm front. Okay, well, why would that be? A significant gap in time. Okay, sure. Costume is different. Sure. Powers are identical. How would nobody notice that the hero, Liberty, uh, had the exact same electrical powers and did the exact same stuff? That Stormfront did. I mean, I, unless unless she didn't have that for some reason at that point, and she just had the strength or didn't use it or whatever, it seems unlikely that no one would have noticed. It just it, it, it is a little off to me. Yeah, that it was a it was a driver for the storyline, but one that definitely had it some some gaps in it and you're right because there was just no we don't know the the, the liberty character no. and of course at that point in time there wouldn't have been superheroes right no because that serum hadn't gotten out where in the setting that we're we're seeing now there, there's actually quite a few because they've been pumping out that serum and injecting it into people and they've either died or they've become you know superpowered in some form right. or fashion so obviously, yes, it's a lot more common now, but the Liberty, you know, the, the Liberty character, you know, at the time, there just weren't that many photographs or, you know, images or video of that character. And it wasn't as documented as what things would have been now. And people that were young then are old now. So okay you're stretching right you're you're really stretching to say that no one would have known or had an idea or brought up something like right. you you really are stretching at that point yeah but it it, it really just you you got no backstory on it other than an, like an article thing that popped up late and they're like mm. <laughs> and that was it um so now i will say this i liked the character and the way they portrayed it because one thing that this show does, it has complex characters. And the comic, I'm assuming, is the same way. And that's something that I can really get behind. Because um, you're supposed to hate this character. And for good reason. It 
Stormfront as a terrible person, but not all terrible. They give some good instances where you can see her familial ties and the love that she has for certain people and that not all of her ideas are awful. She actually has some, some not well, I wouldn't call it progressive, but she does have some ideas that are right. But because of the environment that she was in and what she chose to believe in and she calcified those awful beliefs, she's still the bad guy. But you can still empathize for her in the, in the ways that she's still human. So like when she's a bloody stump at the end of the film and is speaking in German, um, I, ha- I had to look up what she was saying because I don't speak German. But, you know, it's it's kind of sad. And it's just, it's really, it's a nice, I like that they don't make it easy for you. I mean, you're, like I said, you're supposed to dislike this character and you should dislike this character, but nobody is 100% evil. Yeah, it, the, the, the powers that are presented are pretty strong like she's we all I, I guess the presentation is the homelander is the strongest of them all <laughs> but this character's pretty far up there yeah. in powers and strength as presented to us and obviously she is doing a job she's doing the good things but when she does the good things it's kind of like eh who cares right Right. So you, you, that uh, you're right. That aspect of it is okay. Well, she's doing things, but she just she's one of those people that like, well, I have my powers. I could be doing really bad things, but I'll do good things. But I'll just I mean, whatever. So I think that aspect of it's interesting, and she's got her own agenda in a certain sense, right? Yeah. Throughout the course of this, but you're right. You, you don't. I just, I just always got the impression of like, oh gosh, like I don't like this person, but I never got the impression like, oh, ooh, the bad guy. Like you always, because of how Martin Starr presents the Homelander character, you always just, I always just get the impression, impression throughout this of like, that's the bad guy, right? Because it's just like, he'll snap. And something bad's going to happen, and he'll do whatever he wants, whatever he wants, because he can do whatever he wants. Yeah. And, and how they dance around him having just the ultimate power to kill anybody at any point in time and here and see him do whatever he wants, whatever he wants. How they dance around him not just completely killing everybody that doesn't do what he wants them to do is interesting. It's not like they have oodles of leverage over him. No. But they hide they hide in a basement. But the storefront character, you just get the impression I feel like through most of this is like, yeah, she's not good, but she's not evil. You know, she's just like She has the wrong ideology. Yeah, well, I mean she's a Nazi. Yeah. She's definitely evil. <laughs> there's there's no two ways around it. She is definitely an evil character. But on that scale of absolute evil that doesn't exist and absolute good that doesn't exist. Uh, she's maybe like 80% towards the evil where the Homelander character may be just a tad farther over than that. Um, so yeah, when you're, when you're looking at by comparison, maybe not. Uh, but, uh, cause she, I mean, and that's maybe one of the big differences that they present 
even though she gained power, she gained them late in life. She was she wasn't born with them, so she was raised as a normal human in admittedly a terrible environment. Um, but she at least had a comparatively normal upbringing to what the Homelander character did. The Homelander character was brought up in a lab and never had that emotional attachment. So what do you think is going to happen once that person gets older? Of course they're going to be evil. There's no way that's not going to happen. Um, so, so there's that. I think really the only issue, I, I was just, I, I really enjoyed the show from pretty much from top to bottom. And I actually really liked how they ended the show for the most part, even if they brought in the, the bad guy of the, the senator at the very end that makes people's heads explode. Um, again, another kind of plot hole of, okay, then why did the first person's head explode? That doesn't make any sense. I mean, several of them, I get it. She's positioning herself as surviving this tragedy and benefiting, but she, I, I don't understand that first kill. It, it doesn't, doesn't really, um, it doesn't jive. The, the motivation doesn't seem to be there. One and two, was this person just standing outside her car? I, I, I'm not, I wasn't sure what was happening there. Anyway, the point that I was about to make. Yeah, lots of popcorn. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, the point that I was about to make was mo- mostly about the Homelander character. I think the weakness that the show has the potential to suffer is the same weakness that Superman movies suffer it's superman what really are you going to do you're talking about them having to dance around things yeah in order to make him vulnerable they had to give him some sort of a psychological flaw that they could capitalize on because there is no physical flaw there's nothing you can do if he wants to kill you he's going to kill you he could do that to the entire planet and would not matter at all so when you have no real um, antithesis, where is the struggle? Where are the stakes? And it just it it's it loses a little something sometimes. Yeah. So the 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 Superman weakness that you see is well well one he's got kryptonite, so there is an actual physical weakness. Yeah, but then there's Lois Lane, right? So they they've touched more on the Lois Lane part. I feel like recently, right? You know, they smattered it all over the the Justice League. Okay, so the Homelander character, we don't necessarily know that he's got a a physical weakness, right? That yeah. was never really described, but he does have the other weakness. He's got a kid. Yes, but so, even like, even then... He had a... He, no, go ahead, sorry. And, and he had emotional attachments to a couple different women, but, you know, not really, because he melted <laughs> her face into pieces. Right. And then even went back with the morphing with a body changing character too, which is weird, creepy. Uh, but he, he still has, I guess you could say 
he wants his he still wants his son to be alive which in in theory he could just once again do like why couldn't he just go get do whatever he wanted to do because he's like stronger than everybody else but that's the weakness is you know something like that the but, son, but is it really Hold. is it really because the way it appears that they're going with this and i don't know if this is accurate or not it appears more like he's going through the motions he thinks this is what he wants so he's going after it so yeah there's a certain amount of value but how much is there really once he realizes that this is not actually what he wants now you have no hold over him there's nothing and i feel like the end scene that you see him standing majestically on top of that building <laughs> doing something not so majestic is maybe the first step in him realizing that he does not have any attachment to anything. And now we're going into some very dangerous territory. Yeah. So is there, is there going to be something that is developed that has a physical weakness for him? I hope so. Um, maybe the nut That's allergy. what I would be interested to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which nut? Um <laughs> But the the seven, once again, at this point, is six. So, well, are they going to bring someone? Are they going to do that piece again? Soldier Boy. Um, we Soldier Boy, yeah. We saw, we saw an old member that everybody thought had died, and that was an interesting. We got to see the, the Lamplighter character. That was um, great. Which I felt was interesting which was i don't know if a, a purposeful nod but a nod in a sense to an og marvel x-men right. movie actor right so that part was cool and going to fire like, I, I enjoyed ice. that uh, yep opposite powers on on a side note there was some you know interesting that that whole scene at that place where they're housing all the not quite properly developed superhero crazy yeah. superheroes. That was an interesting one too with a certain character. That was interesting. That yeah, I'm not going to go into that. Yeah, because so, we we tend to stay safer on the show whenever possible. <laughs> but but that you know that whole sequence itself kind of lends it to like oh it's we're back to we're back to that where they're just like having that. The fun scenes, the fun right. scenes with the uh, with the violence and the splodes and stuff like that. But um, yeah, we're 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 at the end of the season now. One Stormfront's not dead, right? I mean, she's she is immortal. Well, in a certain are you sense, sure? Kind of. She was she was missing all limbs. Uh, an eye was completely burned out. And was bleeding out on the ground. I'm, well, I'm not 100% sure that she's dead. In the kill count that I did for the show, I put her down as a kill because there's pretty much nobody that's surviving that level of damage. So, but we don't know 100%. And then how are they going to approach going forward that, you know, that collection of the seven? Is there going to be a seven still? So there's still plenty of questions to be answered for season three. 
and of course the butcher's still out there. Right. All in all, though, I mean, even with my little nitpicks, I really liked the season. I'm 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 eager for the third to start. Um, and maybe maybe what they will bring in in the third season will put to rest any of my tiny concerns that I have. Uh, they'll they'll build out the characters that I don't feel they've built out very well. Uh, sew up the little holes in the plot that I think that I've seen. I I I have faith. This is still going to be a good series going into the third season. Yep, the characters are fun. The presentation's fun. Things aren't resolved. And I, I, I want to say the popularity of the first season was greater than the second season. Yeah. Based on a, some article I read, but not, but not that the second season was so bad that they're like, oh, we got to cut this off. We're not doing it anymore. So is it projected that this year is when the third season is supposed to come out? Um, I had not seen anything specific. They had been filming, to my knowledge, but um, it's it's going to be a little while. Well, whenever it happens, um, I wonder if they'll do eight episodes again. That's what they've done the first couple seasons. They'll probably stick with that in the third season as well. Um, eight's a fair number. Obviously, as fans of the show, we'd like for them to be maybe ten instead of eight. Yeah, but yeah. But that's okay. I get it. Eight's eight's good. Eight's better than six. <clears throat> About get a winter soldier. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. I might not be a longer. But we got we would love to know what you think. Did you watch the show and enjoy it as much as we did? Did you have the same problems that we did? Did you have different problems? You can always find us on social media where we are at Real Pudding Guys on Twitter. We're at Pudding Guys on Instagram and Facebook. I swear we will eventually still get some stuff up on both of those social media platforms. It's just kind of slow going. And of course, you can find us on Patreon, where for just $1 a month, you can help support us as we bring you new episodes on new equipment, talking occasionally to new people. Uh, We uh, always appreciate our supporters. And until next week, stay safe, uh, stay happy, watch more TV. 